of the greatest ministries were started because God put a heavy burden on someone's heart and they said I don't have money I don't have resources but the one thing I know is God has made it so that I must respond to this burden God speaks to us in many ways a burden in our heart a vision in our mind a dream in our sleep and when he speaks there's always a price to pay Hello and welcome to Destined for Victory with Pastor Paul Shepard, Senior Pastor at Destiny Christian Fellowship in Fremont, California. Whether you're listening on radio, online, or through the Destined for Victory mobile app, thanks for making this part of your day. No matter what dream or burden the Lord has given you, the time period between the revelation and the realization will be filled with tough times, and some may be tougher than you ever imagined. Today's message is straight ahead. Stay with us here or visit PastorPaul.net to hear any recent message on demand. That's PastorPaul.net. Now, here is Pastor Paul with today's message, Lessons Dreamers Must Learn. The king had this very troubling dream. And he called in his astrologers and all of his spooky folk, you know, sorcerers and what have you. And he said, I need you all to tell me about this dream. This was a vivid dream. It wasn't just any old thing. This was a special dream. And I need you all to interpret the dream for me. And they said, all right, all right, King, just tell us what it is. We'll, we'll tell you what it means. He said, uh-uh, uh, y'all have done that to me too much. He said, y'all been blowing smoke. You've been telling me things that you think I want to hear and I'm tired of it. And this is too serious for me to let you play games with my head. So I'm going to tell you what, this time, not only do you have to tell me the interpretation of the dream, I need you to tell me what I dreamed. And they started saying, well, uh, uh, you know, that's not right. You're not supposed to do that to people. I've never heard of a king who won't tell his sorcerers and astrologers what he dreamed and then wants the interpretation. You're not being right. You're not being fair. But the king stuck with his guns. He said, no, if you all are in touch with the supernatural, you need to know not only the interpretation, you need to be able to find out what I dreamed. He said, in fact, for all of you who can't tell me what I dream, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Right in your Bible. And he sent his people out. They started slaying every sorcerer who could not tell him the dream. When they got to Daniel, see, they threw a man of God in there with everybody else. You got to know that that's a whole different ball game. And you all need to know in today's world, don't throw people who speak for God in the same group with people who had these little shows and write these little books and, and think that they can tell you that you've been on earth before and you used to be a queen in a castle and all that old crazy stuff. When we speak for God, we stand on his eternal word. We speak his eternal truth. We are not trying to make up something as we go. We're speaking for a God whose word is forever established in heaven. But they threw Daniel in with everybody else. And when they got to Daniel, Daniel said, all right, tell the king, just give me a minute. All Daniel needed was enough time to talk to God. 
he talked to God. He talked to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, you know, they're really trying to come down on all of us, but we're going to have to go to God. God knows how to deal with this. Daniel went to the Lord, said, God, I need you to give me a word so that you can establish your purpose even here in Babylon. And the Lord gave him a word. He walked up in the palace and said, King, live forever. Let me tell you what you dreamed. And Daniel started laying it out. You said, how did Daniel know? Because the same God that gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream, all he had to do was push rewind and run the flick in Daniel's head. And Daniel saw the whole movie. And he just spelled out to the king, here's what you saw, gave him all the details. And the king said, boy, you got something there. Why? Because God had given a dream. It was through a dream that Zechariah discovered that he was going to be the father of a child who was to be named John and would later become known as John the Baptist. It was through a dream, and you know that story. Zechariah was slow to believe God, even with a dream and even with an angel visiting him. He's still saying, how can I be sure of this? You know, when God gives you a vision and then he seals it with an angel, somebody from another zip code... You're not supposed to be still asking, how can I be sure? You know, I'm old. How am I going to have a child? When God gives you a vision that you're going to have a baby, and when he seals it with the personal appearance of Gabriel, you're supposed to be sure by then. And it's so funny because Gabriel responded, I'll tell you how you're going to be sure. You won't be able to speak till it happens because you fail to believe God. Years ago, I preached a message from that passage, and the title was, Don't Be Dumb, Believe God. It was through a dream that this happened. It was through a dream six months later that that same angel, Gabriel, visited a virgin girl. You remember that? And Gabriel pronounced to her that she was going to bear in her body the son of the living God, the savior of the world. When she asked a question, it wasn't a question born of unbelief. Mary's question to Gabriel was, how will these things be? She's not doubting that God's going to do it. She just said, now, Lord, help me understand. Since I'm a virgin, I'm not yet married. How are you going to pull this off? Not every question is born of unbelief. Sometimes you just need to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. And she said, be it unto me as you have spoken. She just wanted little information. How are we going to pull this off? And you know the story, after she received that word from God and knew that God had begun to work a miracle in her body, she didn't go consult with her fiancé Joseph. Because sometimes when God is at work in your life, you got to know you can't just talk to everybody. I'm going to get to that later on. You can't talk to just everybody. And so she took off and went to Elizabeth's house. Why? Because Elizabeth is pregnant with the child that Gabriel had announced months before. Meanwhile, her fiancé, once he discovers Mary is pregnant, Joseph says, 
Now, I know her to be a virtuous woman. And I know she and I have not had fellowship. (laughs) Work with me, work with me. So she must have slipped up and made a horrible mistake. And he was so concerned about her, his heart had to be broken. But he was so concerned about her until the Bible says he was planning to divorce her privately. Now, when you see that language, you got to understand their culture. In their culture, when you were engaged for all practical purposes, this was a contractual arrangement. It was a binding contract. Families would negotiate the terms and all of that stuff, and they would go through the process of getting it all straight, and then it would culminate in this days-long celebration followed by the consummation of their marriage. So they weren't officially married until all of that had taken place, but there was a binding contract in place, so binding that you couldn't get out of an engagement just by saying, I want my ring back. In Bible times, it required a divorce. Today, I mean, you can just change your mind right up to before you say, I do. And there aren't many consequences unless her family come after you or something like that. (laughs) But this required a divorce. And so your Bible says, Joseph wanted to put her away privately. He didn't want to disgrace her. He felt like she had already disgraced herself. And he still loved her, although he had to have a broken heart. And he just wanted to put her away privately. How did God keep that from happening? He gave Joseph a dream. And in that vision, Joseph had the Lord say to him, do not hesitate to take her as your wife because the thing that has happened in her is a holy thing. She has not fallen. She has not disgraced herself. What's going on in her body is the work of God himself. How did he know that? He came to know that as a result of a dream. And so I'm trying to show you that there's been a consistent pattern all the way through the period leading to the coming of Christ of God speaking from time to time through dreams and visions. Now, lest you think God only used dreams and visions prior to the church age, the day of Pentecost is when the church was established, so to speak. Lest you think all of the dreams and visions were prior to the church being established, you need to know that what happened on the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost, is that Peter spoke up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And after the people of Jerusalem saw this amazing scene of 120 disciples spilling out of the upper room, speaking the praises of God in tongues they had never learned, then Peter speaks up in the native tongue, Aramaic, and he begins to say, they are not drunk because some of the folk were teasing him, said these people are just drunk. And Peter said, no, they're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning. It's the third hour of the day. Their day began at 6 a.m. It's only nine in the morning. His implication is the taverns aren't even open yet. These folk are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy and old men, he said, will dream dreams and young men will see visions. Notice he's speaking on the birthday of the church, not about what has happened, but what will be happening. He said, during the course of these last days and the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the last days, which ought to tell you we were in the last of the last days. And he said, one of the things God will be doing in this age when the spirit of God is poured out upon his people is sons and daughters will prophesy and old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. And they will continue to occur. And indeed, in the church, in the early church, you see that God continues to use dreams and visions. Still ahead, the second half of today's Destined for Victory message with Pastor Paul Shepard. As always, you can hear any of Pastor Paul's recent messages on demand at PastorPaul.net. That's PastorPaul.net. Or listen and subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Destined for Victory is made possible through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And as God leads, please consider making a generous gift to Destined for Victory today. Call us at 855-339-5500 or give securely online at our new and improved website, PastorPaul.net. That's PastorPaul.net. Well, the Bible is filled with examples of God speaking to his people through dreams and visions, and he still speaks that way today. Here's Pastor Paul with the rest of this message, Lessons Dreamers Must Learn. Ananias got the word about the conversion of Saul through a vision. You remember that in Acts chapter 9. It was through a vision. He was praying one day, and the Lord showed him a vision and said, I want you to get up from prayer and I got a mission for you. I got a job for you. I want you to go right here in this same town and I want you to go here in Damascus to Straight Street. You know, God can be real specific with you. He told him the street to go to. God was the original GPS. So I want you to go to Straight Street to the house of a man named Judas, and there you're going to find Saul. And I said, are we talking about the same Saul? Are we talking about the Saul who came to town for the purpose of extraditing Christians, taking us back to Jerusalem so he can persecute us there? God said, don't worry about it. When you find him, he'll be blind, he'll be praying, he'll be humble. And he got that word through a vision. It was through a vision that Peter found out that you and I were going to get saved. You remember that? You remember that God spoke to Peter in Acts chapter 10. He was on a rooftop. He had been fasting till the noon hour, the Bible says. And as he was there on a rooftop, God gave him a vision. He saw a blanket lowered from heaven with all manner of beast on the blanket. And then he heard a voice from heaven say, get up, Peter, and kill one of these and go on and have your lunch. Peter thought it was a test of his orthodoxy. So he said, I'm going to pass the test. And he said, no, Lord, I could never eat anything unclean. God responded by saying, when I tell you that is clean, get your fork and knife. And what you find out as that scene unfolds is 
God was beginning to show him that Gentiles were about to come to the door, ask for him, and he was to go off to the house of a man named Cornelius. And there he would find Gentiles sitting, waiting to receive a word from God. And as Peter preached the word of God, the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles. They began to speak in tongues and Peter could not deny they were having the same experience that he and others had had on the day of Pentecost. How did God do that? He did it through a vision and that showed Peter that Gentiles too were going to get saved. I'm so glad for that reality that God included me and he included you. In his plan. And it was through a vision that Paul was convinced he was to stay in Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, you'll remember that he was there preaching in Corinth, but he was being heavily persecuted. Some folk were getting saved, but the persecution was pretty significant. And Paul was thinking about leaving town. But one night the Lord spoke to him in a vision, said, Paul, stay right here. Do not leave. Don't worry about it. I'm going to protect you in this city. No one is going to be able to harm you. He said, I need you to stay here and proclaim my word because I have many people in this city. And Paul stayed 18 months longer because God had given him a vision. I want you to understand that God sometimes speaks to us through dreams and visions. Now, let me hasten to say that's not the only way that he does it. Sometimes the Lord communicates his will through a burden he places on your heart. One biblical example of that would be Nehemiah. You remember the story of Nehemiah? There he was, the personal valet, the cupbearer of the king. And as the people of God returned from exile, they returned to discover that their city's wall had been torn and burned, which meant they were now a vulnerable city. They would not have the protection afforded cities that had established the fortitude of a strong wall. It was their first line of defense against their enemies. And so here they come back from exile after many years only to discover that the walls of their city have been torn down and burned. But the Lord put a burden on Nehemiah's heart. Sometimes God will put a burden on your heart that you can't shake. Sometimes God will have something so heavy on you when you see it. Other people see it and they say, oh, what a shame. Oh, somebody needs to do something about that. But if God is speaking to you, you won't be able to have that somebody needs to do something mentality. God will let you know you have got to get up and get something done. Some of the greatest ministries were started because God put a heavy burden on someone's heart. And they said, I don't have money. I don't have resources. I don't know who's going to sign off on this. But the one thing I know is God has made it so that I must respond to this burden. Sometimes God speaks to you as a result of a burden that he puts on your heart. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people. It happened that way in the New Testament, Acts chapter 13, as the prophets and teachers at Antioch were fasting and worshiping God. The Lord spoke through one of them. Saul and Barnabas were right there in their midst. And the Lord spoke through one of them and said, separate unto me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. 
And what that meant is that God was raising these two men up to begin to go out and to evangelize their world. And they got that word through other people. Listen, when prayerful people, when people who speak to God and speak for God talk to you, you need to pay attention. I've learned that over the course of my life. I've learned sometimes God will speak to you through prayerful, godly people. Now, if you get a word from other folks, God will gladly confirm it through an independent source because your life is not to be controlled by what other people tell you to do. Come on, got to get this straight now because there are a whole lot of false prophets in today's world. Everybody who says, yay, and the Lord would say unto you is not necessarily speaking for God. I've seen a whole lot of spooky folk with a real spooky look in their face and they look at you and their words sound real King James, you know, and so they look like they're speaking for God and when you speak the King's English, you sound like you're speaking for God. Yea, and the Lord would have thee to know. Listen, I've lived long enough to hear some folks say that to me and I knew why they were talking. That was not God. There was something in my heart. See, when you had the Holy Spirit, if they're operating by the Spirit, the Spirit in you will witness to the Spirit in them. Yeah, and the Lord would say unto thee, my son. And the Holy Spirit in me, who doesn't speak King James... Holy Spirit in me, because I'm from the hood, (laughs) will say, now you know good and well, that ain't no word from me. (laughs) And for you who don't quite speak Ebonics, God will say it another way to you. But God can speak to you through other people. You know, however God speaks to you, a burden in your heart, the testimony of other believers through a dream or a vision, there's going to be some work required on your part. And it's not very often that the job gets done overnight. Abraham and Sarah waited years for Isaac. The Israelites spent four decades traveling to the promised land. Maybe you find yourself in the wilderness today, wondering why God's promises have yet to be kept, wanting desperately for your dreams to finally come true. Well, if so, the Destined for Victory Ministry team would like to pray for you. Share your request with us using the contact feature at the PastorPaul.net homepage. That's PastorPaul.net. And while you're there, you can also sign up to receive Pastor Paul's monthly letter of encouragement, yours at no cost or obligation. We want to thank all of you for your prayers and donations, faithful support that is having a profound impact in the world. As you make a generous donation today, be sure to request the InterVarsity Press Study Guide, Joseph, How God Builds Character. If you're like most people, your favorite part of a fairy tale is the happily ever after. But even in fairy tales, just like in real life, happiness often comes to us on the back end of adversity. In this outstanding resource, you'll take an in-depth look into the story of Joseph as a means to helping you see that God's plans for you will always be fulfilled. That's Joseph, How God Builds Character. Yours by request is our thank you gift when you give generously to Destined for Victory today. Call 855-339-5500 or visit PastorPaul.net to make a safe and secure donation online. 
And you can also mail your gift to Destined for Victory at Post Office Box 1767, Fremont, California, 94538. That is when your Christian experience is at its best, when it is a growing relationship rather than a ritualistic religion. And let me tell you something else. He speaks to us today and he leads us today. God uses dreams and visions sometimes to reveal things he wants us to know. God still speaks through dreams and visions, but how can you know if your dreams are from him? Find out tomorrow when Pastor Paul Shepard continues his message, Lessons Dreamers Must Learn. Until then, remember, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. In Christ, you are destined for victory.